activated virus defense Hello, this is Martin McKay. And this is Chris John Riley. And we would like to welcome you to the official podcast for the 30th Annual FIRST Conference being held in Kuala Lumpur, June 24th through 29th, 2018. For more information, go to www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. We're happy to welcome Tom Millar, Technical Advisor from USERT. Welcome to the show, Tom. Oh, thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Now, looking at the program, you're actually going to be giving two presentations at the upcoming conference. So I'm interested in diving a little bit into both, but mostly the, the TLP and IEP evolution. Um, I'm interested to kind of get your take on um, what these things are for people who are unaware of them and kind of what you're going to be discussing at the conference. So the Traffic Light Protocol, or TLP, is known to a lot of members of the FIRST community, but not to everyone. And the Information Exchange Protocol, is, I refer to as sort of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons version of uh, Traffic Light Protocol, in that it, it's compatible with Traffic Light Protocol, but uh, expands on it in a number of ways and is uh, much, covers a great deal more use cases than the original Traffic Light Protocol did. Now, what these things are, are ways to designate or mark the information that you're sharing with other certs or with customers or with counterparts throughout our sort of field of practice. So that, you know, you're sharing, we in government uh, refer to as unclassified information, but you want to caveat it perhaps or mark it in some ways. So sometimes you have something that you want a little bit tighter control on the dissemination of. And these are ways of doing that without a lot of back and forth negotiation between, say, a CERT or other incident response team or security research team that you've never interacted with before. I compared traffic light protocol to sort of like uh, small talk in that it's a very abbreviated way to understand that the other person speaks your language, that the other person is able to communicate on your level and then moving on to the more substantive part of the conversation. For my use cases, sometimes at US CERT was a way to get past the days long negotiation of whether the other party understood how the information could be shared beyond their own organization or could not be shared in some cases. And that's why, that's sort of why I sort of embraced traffic light protocol at US CERT, made it our de facto standard for sharing information, and then sort of went on a world tour to teach other people how to adopt traffic light protocol and do it the right way, so to speak. And now I'm trying to do something similar for information exchange protocol, uh, which has been uh, developed by a couple of friends of mine, uh, Paul McKittrick, uh, Terry McDonald, with uh, assistance from Medica KO. And those are all names that the first community might um, recognize. Uh, they've been very active members of the community for years now. What IEP needs, I think, is more advertising. Not a lot of people know about it or what it is. And what I'm hoping to do in this presentation is explain how if you've sort of outgrown TLP uh, and you're running up against the, the sort of limitations that TLP has for sharing information, then IEP may be the next best thing for you to move on to. So if you're a particularly large information sharing and analysis center like the uh, financial side stack, then um, 
you can move from using TLP for everything to marking things with more sophisticated IEP designations and resolve some of the use case issues you're running up against. So I've seen a lot of like larger, more mature communities with a lot of automation in their sharing practices are realizing TLP doesn't cut it anymore and they need something better. And rather than have them try and reinvent a wheel, I will show them where the wheel schematics are and it's off to the races from there. I'm still stuck on the, this is the D&D of uh, information sharing. Can you tell us what you meant by that without spoiling your, your presentation? If information sharing is killing a bunch of goblins in a cave, then TLP is the original Dungeons and Dragons, and IEP is the advanced edition with much more sophisticated ways of killing a bunch of goblins in a cave. <laughs> Sounds interesting, but one of the beauties of, of TLP has always been its simplicity. It's easy to understand, easy to communicate, um, and it, it's even easily um, graphically shown in, in documentation. Aren't we going to be losing that by moving to a more complex system? The great thing is that uh, the more complex system is, again, sort of like completely compatible. It's It's all a voluntary approach. So I believe in a lot of situations, especially when you're dealing with partners who may not have worked with sharing sensitive indicators and such before, then TLP will still be appropriate for that. When you're using your Dungeons and Dragons analogy, that makes sense in that TLP is the, the basics, right? So you're, you're just using the minimum required to communicate the level of concern you have about that data, whereas IEP is, is a more advanced way of saying what you can do with that data and communicating your, your, your intent with the sharing. Right. And to be to, to boil it down, IEP covers three other sort of dimensions or facets of information sharing permissions that TLP cannot, which is licensing. So so if you for example, now that threat intelligence is actually a line of business that some people are in, there are licensing issues around some kinds of indicators or vulnerability information that we share. It also covers action. Actually, we're having to do this right now with the, uh, the VPN filter malware botnet that's been um, disclosed this morning, which is telling people that they can monitor for the domain name, the domain names involved, but do not block the domain names involved because of what the community is trying to do about this botnet. Actioning takes care of that type of caveat and handling, which is something else TLP has never really solved for, which is should this be encrypted at rest? You know, what are the types of handling behavior do we want associated with the uh, the information that's being shared. So all of those things are real use cases that people have uh, have had that they've tried to sometimes shoehorn into traffic light protocol where they don't really fit and this is this is a way of resolving all of that. One of the last updates to TLP had some issues with how you're supposed to share the information and, and who you could share it with that left a lot of my coworkers feeling uncomfortable. Is that something that IEP has been aware of and, and taken some steps to, to clarify on? Or are there some of the same problems there, with even with these greater dimensions of information sharing? Yes. IEP delves into much more detailed caveats around sharing. But TLP Amber is, um, is the one people tend to be most uncomfortable with because it just says sort of like organizations, clients, and customers who have a need to know. And need to know can be fuzzy. Organization, clients, and customers can be fuzzy terms. All those definitions change from one sort of setting or trust group to another. 
And what IEP aims to do is you can still use plain old vanilla traffic light protocol Amber, but you can also add caveats. Again, these are also all sort of like learning processes. You adopt and then you learn as you go on and then you try to iterate. I appreciate the overview. It seems like it's going to be an interesting talk and I'm looking forward to diving more into how IEP can, can really help more structure this data. Now, you're actually giving a second talk on professionalizing the field of cybersecurity incident response. And we're kind of running out of time, but I was interested on, on how you ended up doing this talk. This is more of a personal passion project for me. A couple of years ago, I believe, I gave a talk on policy and how it is affecting the, the field of practice that we're all in in the first community that more and more political activity was going on around cybersecurity itself, around cybersecurity incident response, certainly around coordinating vulnerability information. And this was something I started to notice, I think, even like four or five years ago, you know, from where I work in Washington, D.C., you hear about a lot of things going on and you can kind of you can get sort of a little early warning that somebody might be trying to do something based on who is asking you certain questions about what you do all day. Things like the Vossenar agreement. GDPR is certainly on everybody's mind right now. Things like this are going to keep happening to us. And one thing I notice is that, you know, sort of like service providers, banks, you know, so some of the parent organizations that our member teams belong to, certainly, you know, the Department of Homeland Security, things like that. But we do have people who are, who are basically paid to run from office to office all day and ensure that our equities are represented in political conversations about what we do or what our mission is or how we serve our customers. But incident response and vulnerability research and penetration testing and assessment teams do not have a professional association that speaks just on our behalf as a field. And I believe that's also that's also goes to the fact that we are not quite up to snuff as a profession should be. So I'm going to be sort of pitching some of the work that we're doing in the new ethics special interest group, uh, which I invite anybody who's interested in establishing sort of a first code of ethics or an incident response code of ethics to to join us and help us work to, to build that out. I'm going to be pitching some of that work during the talk, and I'm going to be talking about sort of all the other pieces of the puzzle that we need if we're going to be able to call ourselves a true profession and ultimately build a professional association that can then sort of speak on our behalf in the political conversations around, again, what we do all day. I just want to say that Chris is the chaotic evil goblet in the cave, so he can't be on the ethics committee. <laughs> it's, it's not true. It's, it's definitely not true. Everybody loves goblin <laughs> encounters. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes, and I want to make sure that everybody knows we're talking to Tom Millar, who is giving two separate talks this year and first, and hope to see you there. All right. We'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Computer activated virus defense. Welcome. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 30th Annual First Conference in Kuala Lumpur, held June 24th to the 29th, 2018. For more information, please check www.first.org. Thank you and have a good day.